0: Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. You do not need me to tell you that modern life is crazy busy. Our days are a series of iPhone alarms, fitness and nutrition trackers, digital calendars, multiple email inboxes, and an astonishing array of commitments. We busy. Today's guest has ideas for helping you step back from all of that to find time for creativity and unleash what makes you uniquely you. In her acclaimed New York Times bestseller and Reese Witherspoon book club pick Fair Play, Eve Rodsky ignited a national conversation about greater equity in the home. But as the pandemic upended work life balance and pushed us to the brink of exhaustion and depletion, she realized that finding time for creative self expression is more vital than ever for our well being. She joins me today to talk about her latest book. Find your unicorn space. Reclaim your creative life in a too busy world. If you want a clear plan to reclaim the lost art of having fun, learn how to manifest your own unicorn space in a jam-packed life, and unleash your talents into the world, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Eve. Hi, Katie.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm really excited. I've been seeing your book everywhere. I am pinching myself that I get to sit down and talk to you about it. I'm I'm really thrilled. Uh, I love the title. I love Find Your Unicorn Space. It sort of conjures up the idea of magic and of possibility. I'd love to start by hearing how you define unicorn space.
1: Well, thank you for asking me that. Um, (laughs) Exactly what you said uh, a unicorn is magic and it's it's beautiful, but it doesn't freaking exist, Katie, right? Um, <laughs> unless, don't I didn't, tell I, my five-year-old daughter that.
0: Eve, I didn't want to point that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist. They
1: don't exist, uh, especially for women. Um, and the idea of space, uh, space phys- physical and, and metaphysical and mental space doesn't exist for women until we literally grab it back. And so Unicorn Space is actually more than just a book. It's really a uh, cultural movement to say that women deserve space. Uh, As we know, during the pandemic, uh, women were interrupted. One time you study, Katie, said that women were interrupted every three minutes in 42 seconds on average. Um, And so this idea that we get uninterrupted attention for active pursuits that we love that we can share with the world, um, is actually, it's pretty, it's still pretty subversive in, in our culture.
0: I, I absolutely agree. I, I, I was on the, uh, receiving end of many of those interruptions during the pandemic when overnight my, you know, husband and three kids, you know, sort of moved into the, my workspace basically. And, and we all had to coexist, um, but you know, we we sort of are making our way through that, and and you share in your book something that that uh, you open the book with it. You have it on the book flap. It's in on your cover where you say that creativity is not optional, right? That creative expression is fundamental to our well being. And I would love to have you explore that a little bit more. Like why? Because sometimes it feels like creativity might be a luxury. Why is it actually uh, integral to our well being?
1: It's such a great question. Creativity is is not optional. And um, we have to stop looking at at, at the top of our pyramid that we can never get to. Obviously, the number one hurdle that women said to me about living a creative life is, yeah, gee, that sounds amazing. um, But I don't have time for the things I need to do. So why are you asking me to do things I want to do? So here's one interesting statistic, Katie. Uh, everybody thinks they're going to be less busy in six months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that not true, Eve? I mean, is, is my is my plate not going to empty? <laughs>
1: uh, that that is a really fun study, a time use study of people who uh, looked at their calendars and said, "I'll do it in six months" because I'm definitely going to be next less busy. And then the researchers followed up with them in six months, and tada, they're more busy, right? So. <laughs> If we think it's optional, we're going to do that. We're going to say, I'll get to it in six months, or I'll get to it when my kids are grown, or I'll get to it when I'm an empty nester, or I'll get to it next year after we go, I go through this health event. But here's the cool thing about creativity. We now know from the science that it's linked to something that I gift all of your listeners. Creativity is linked to daily flourishing. So if you think, Katie, about last year's word, Adam Grant's word of 2021, which was languishing, yes, I, I, I wish you daily flourishing. And so this is not a hobby. This is hobby connoted in frequency in my research. I interviewed 750 unique people in 17 countries of all gender socioeconomic status, in addition to the thousands of people who are already giving us data for my first book, Fair Play, so I, I took this research very seriously and included, and included 12 expert disciplines. And what I found out is that, it, that that daily flourishing, the daily practice of understanding creativity, not calling this thing a hobby, a side hustle, a passion project, but really a unicorn space, a cycle of creativity, that is linked to our mental and physical health. And we can't neglect that anymore.
0: Absolutely, I love this notion of daily flourishing versus languishing because I have done my fair a fair amount of languishing, where I've like laid on Same. my bed and like scrolled through my Instagram and just said like you know, Calgon, take me away from the news and the world and my to do list and all of that stuff. So, for listeners who want to flourish um, and might still feel time crunch, you know, you you talk about toxic time messaging in your your book. Can we can we sort of unpack that a little bit and and help? Um, Um, women take, or men who might be listening, take a a different attitude towards their time so that they can apply it to flourish?
1: Oh, thank you, Katie. Most people just jump into the program. So thank you for letting me actually uh, do some unlearning here with everybody. And remember, this took me 10 years to learn. Uh, I, I did not set out, Katie, to be a gender division of labor expert I was not on my third grade board of what do you want to be when you grow up, um, but but that's what I am now. Um, and it started with a blueberries breakdown 10 years ago. My husband, Seth, sending me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And um, that's for a different podcast. But I will say that in the past 10 years, when I've, I've really, really, really uh, devoted my life to um, why women feel rage and resentment why women, uh, one woman, Ellen, um, who I want to credit to being one of my first interviews, when I sat down with her, she said to me, uh, you know what, Eve, uh, I I lost my permission to be interesting. And so why I'm I'm telling you this is because what is this, this rage and resentment, this lack of permission to be interesting and interested in your own life, uh, identity loss, Uh, Hashimoto's disease, uh, burnout, uh, women being diagnosed twice as likely as men. I kept trying to figure out where is the origin of this. Uh, As a mediator, which is my day job, um, we often are trained that the presenting problem is not the real problem. And so while the home was presenting as dangerous, sort of almost really dangerous as, well, we fight over who's taking the kids to the school in the morning. Um, what was happening is that this notion of one word, time, is the through line between my first book and my second book and all of my activism work. What if this comes down to, why we don't have enough time, is not because life has gotten more busy, even though it has. It's because, as a society, we've chosen to value men's time as if it's diamonds, and we protect it as such, and we treat and we view women's time as if it's infinite, like sand. And what happens is if we're taught since birth that our time is worthless, even if those are really our most valuable currency, then women are going to give it away to, for free yes, to others for, for their entire lives. And that's what happens to us.
0: It's so. Um, first of all, my headset's about to fall off because I'm nodding my head so vigorously <laughs> while you're talking here. Because I so relate to everything you're saying. You had me at rage because I've had episodes of just like volcanic fury, which you know I think sometimes in part is menopause, but it's also around <laughs> the. You know, it's really truly what you you put your finger on it when you said that. The uh, your needs are coming last. And at different times, you can push that down. And then eventually, it's going to bubble up and this frustration that you're serving everyone else under the sun, but yourself is going to burst through in, in in ways that are just, you know, you know, rage, you know, fury, um, anger, all of that stuff. So how do we so? let's let's I, I want to explore two things here. So in terms of time, how do we get um, our, our own brain um, on track to say we we need and deserve this space? You know, is it is it sort of inner work? And then how do we start to get that permission slip to be unavailable that you talk about in your book, which is where we reclaim our time and we stop giving it away to others?
1: Such a great question. So, there is actually a secret formula. Yeah. So There's there a secret formula.
0: <laughs> I love secret formulas. Yes. Go. This is it. Let's, it go. Is a little, Let's go. It's a little bit like
1: saying, don't eat sugar, which I would never be able to do. So, it's a little bit harder um, to, to do, to practice than to say. But I will say that now that I've been doing this work for 10 years, what I see is that if you have a combination of boundaries, systems, and communication, if you work on those three things, then even though the air is polluted, right? We don't have paid leave in this country. We don't have universal childcare. Um, women are burnt out um, from years of caregiving. We're sandwich generations. We have, that is happening. But we can take agency in our own life through boundary systems and communication. Now, what I mean by that is we can talk a lot about the meat. The meat of, the, of systems is understanding that unpaid labor does not fall on you. So let's just start with systems and then you can help me, Katie, unpack boundaries and communication. But the meat of this formula is understanding that having it all does not mean doing it all. And 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 that's hard because I want to ask you and your listeners if you've ever said one of these four things to yourself. Because if you have, then you've unintentionally devalued your own time and we have to stop that. And that is if you've ever said to yourself... I do more unpaid labor. I'm the one, you know, picking up my husband's prescription or, uh, you know, sitting on this charity board for our family or whatever it is. Um, because my partner makes more money than me or my job is more flexible or I have more time that that's a toxic time message. If you've ever said to yourself, um, I do more unpaid labor, uh, because, um, I'm a better multitasker. Um, I'm wired differently for care. If you've ever said to yourself in the time it takes me to tell him her, they what to do, I should do it myself. If you've ever said to yourself, well, yeah, we're both colorectal surgeons, but my partner is better at you know f- f- uh, focusing on one task at a time, um, or my boss is, be- because this does not only have to happen in partnerships, and I can find the time. What I'm here to say to you is that the system is understanding that this can't all fall on you. There has to be structured decision-making so that assumptions because of your gender do not dictate the decisions you make during the day. And that's the hardest thing to understand because again, Katie, we've been conditioned since birth to do it all. We're the ones ordering the boss's birthday cake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Filling in all the the small um, steps Every day, all that unpaid labor that eats away at at your time, which I love the way you said that's just sort of your most valuable resource. Eve, we are going to be heading into a quick break. I want to come back, though, to talk about the uh, conversations that you need to have to shift this system. Beauties, spring is around the corner, and I am all in on making it through winter and feeling my best. For me, self-care is sleep, reading, hot yoga, and hot baths. And thanks to our friends at Kindra, my bath routine has a serious upgrade. You've heard me talk about Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials, including supplements for hot flashes and better sleep. Kindra has a new product, a soothing bath soak, formulated for a boost of hydration and moisture. It's ideal for sensitive dry skin like mine. Plus, it's made with nourishing botanical extracts and without irritating preservatives, soaps, or fragrances that can disrupt the pH balance of intimate skin. You can try Kindra's Bath Soak or any menopause essential for 20% off using my code kd 20 at checkout. Head to OurKindra.com to reinvest in your self-care essentials. Okay, Eve, we're back from our break. We headed into it. You were talking about some of the toxic time messages that we might tell ourselves. I'm sure women who are listening are nodding their heads vigorously, recognizing themselves in some of what you've shared. Once we recognize that we are telling ourselves a a certain story that's allowing our time to be eroded, our our time that we could be using to pursue creative uh, 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 pursuits and other things, how do we have the conversation to shift that?
1: Well, th- this is a great thing. That's where th- I feel like you're a great interviewer because that gets me right into boundaries and communication. And and so boundaries is self-talk and communication is how you talk with others. That's how I look at it. So let's go into the self-talk first. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so what is a boundary? I wish, Katie, that I could tell your listeners now that a boundary is a walk around the block or a drink with a friend. I really wish that that would be the opposite of burnout that you can protect your boundary by just having dinner with a friend once a week, but actually really the only true boundary that can work now after what we just went through is being interested in our own lives. Okay. understanding that that you deserve that, right. That's your boundary. My time is diamonds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect it because I deserve a right to be interested in my own life. And that means I have a permission to be unavailable for my roles as a partner and our parent and our professional. So that, that's, that's a big difference in how people normally look at boundaries and then the self-talk. So let's talk about, let's just stay in self-talk for a minute before we go to communication. Sure, let's do it. So the self-talk around a boundary. So what happens
0: with emotions?
1: When I had that emotion chart, Katie, I don't know if you remember that from when maybe your kids were younger, you know, that emotion chart they get at school.
0: Yeah. The red, yellow, and green, I guess. Exactly.
1: And it's like anger and happiness and sadness. So I sort of brought that around in 17 countries. And what I noticed over the past 10 years is of all emotions, rage, sadness, happiness, uh, disappointment, it was guilt and shame that actually had women changing their decision making. And that was fascinating to me. So I'll give you an example. I feel guilty because I'm not putting Anna to bed tonight. So I'm going to cancel my dinner
0: with Katie. Don't do that. <laughs>
1: right. I'm not doing that. But but that's what I and I was like, "Oh, wow, you know, if we have this self-talk and we don't break a cycle, it affects how our decisions are made." And that's really scary to me because then If we're not making our own decisions, how are we going to ever have any unicorn space? How are we going to be interested in our own lives? So here's one practical thing we can do starting today. Everybody, go grab, go to Target, grab a journal. It's my favorite thing to do. You probably have a million in your drawer or post-it notes. You're going to start a guilt and shame journal. And what I started to do a year ago, and this came from a, a... uh, a, a woman that I love, Dr. Cheryl Gonzalez-Ziegler, I interview her for uni- find your unicorn space. She helped me during the writing of this book understand that if I started to write down, I feel guilty because I didn't put Anna. I'm not putting Anna to bed tonight, and I cross that out, and I write instead. I I made the decision not to put Anna to bed tonight because I'm having dinner with Katie, and I love my friends, and that's important to me. Then you get your power back. And then you can talk to other people about your decisions in a way that's, oh, Anna, I'm so sorry. I'm going to miss you. No, it's Anna, how great it is that I get to have a friend like Katie and I get to spend time with her the same way you get to spend time with friends at school. And that's it. And then when you look back at your guilt and shame journal, Katie, um, you look back a year ago, I looked back and I was like, wait, I felt guilty because I didn't go to Ben's random soccer game um, because I was away. Like, what the hell was I thinking? Right. So it gives you some perspective. That's that's the first step to me is that type of self-talk and that's really how you start to protect your boundaries.
0: And also create boundaries for the the people in your life. Your children, you're modeling for them that that you're interested in your life, that you're nourishing things that that give you um you know, energy and and excitement and joy. And you know, when I think about what I want for my children, those are the things that I want for them. I want them to have an interest in their own life and to feel joyful and to feel creative and happy and connected to people. So I think that starting to model that at a very young age, because your book does talk a little bit about this. And I do want to move into a you know, actually how do we get that creative going? Okay, like, so let's start doing. Let's go to communication because that starts how we get
1: so. These are the two, the interesting things about asking for what we need. Um, we, we, we don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And so, so if we get our self-talked down, if you believe your permission to be unavailable, if you believe that you can help vanquish guilt and shame and burn it um, and, and not have it make your decisions, then it's time to start to ask for what you need. But so many women, Katie, say to me, well, I don't know what I need. So I think let's talk a little bit about what you need um, before we can go into how you ask for it. What you need is, while I can't tell you what your unicorn space is, I can tell you how how to help you find it. And what you need is a cycle of three C's in your life. And those three C's are curiosity, connection, and completion. So Katie, by you doing this podcast, I'll just use you. I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah, go for it. You decided, I want to, I want to, I'm curious about talking to an audience of women um, that may be underserved. I'm just making this up. I'm just pretending I'm in your brain. Yeah. And then (laughs) I want to connect with other people um, who are doing really interesting things at this stage of their life. And then I'm going to upload this. I'm going to edit and upload it. Even if I don't like my sound of my voice, it's going to go somewhere. That cycle is a really, really important cycle. That's a unicorn space cycle. And so when you do that, that starts to insulate you because it's going to rain on us. And so this is really important, the distinction. This is not a how to be happy book or framework. This is a true mental health framework. The true definition of mental health is how to have the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. Unicorn space is your ability and strength to weather it. It's your umbrella. So your podcast hour, when the time flies or you get you hear from your listeners that people love what you said, those, I can't believe I just did that or I did that for that person. Those are the feelings I want people to have. But it requires this purposeful understanding of this cycle of I'm, I want to be curious, I want to be connected, and I want to complete something.
0: I, lo- I love this framework because it's something that I actually can relate to with this podcast. You know, I, I launched it during the pandemic when I felt... Um, isolated from, from the women in my life that really gave me so much oxygen. I was no longer in rooms with amazing women, which always lights me up. And I had spent six months, as I you know, sometimes joke, it's like I managed to not kill my kids, my marriage, or my, com- <laughs> or my company. And like, believe me, that was hard. For six months, it was like touch and go. And I really said, like, I need something different for myself. I need to be... Um, creative, honestly. And so that's how the podcast got launched. I so relate to everything that you're sharing about about completion. So, you know, I, I, I love this. Um, but this is just jogging quick thought. I want to get back to the, the three C's and have you help our listeners walk through them for themselves. But what happens when your unicorn space becomes um, a, job? a job? A job or <laughs> money? and you, know, you need another one. You need, you another, need
1: another one. You need another one. Yes. It doesn't mean that it means you're double-blessed. Okay. You get another, you get another cycle, um, at a go because at some point when it becomes your for pay, uh, work, which is again, great if that happens to you, but then, um, I would say it's time to find another curiosity connection and completion cycle. So one woman that did happen to her, I spoke to her recently. She feels so lucky to be in a very creative field, but she said, you know, it's for pay. So there's, It's not a pure unicorn space. So she started to jump. She became a polar bear, Katie. She told me she starts to jump. She jumps in the ocean on Saturdays. Oh, my Um, gosh. Her partner takes care of her kids. That's very subversive. She has a male partner. Men can take care of kids by themselves. (laughs) they can. They can do it by themselves without other women coming to help them. Uh, And she goes and she spends the day with her friends. And so it was curiosity of what the hell would happen if I jumped into the Atlantic ocean. It was a connection with a group of people. She didn't know a group of women that were, were these uh, friends and colleagues who are also polar bears. And then um, the completion was doing it. She jumped.
0: That's amazing. And, and,
1: And that, and so, so she tells me now that that is her, that cycle for her, even though she also has other curiosity connection completion cycles through her work. So she's doubly lucky. And I would say that a lot of us out there, the first thing to do is really to pick a C, pick a C. That's not, I don't mean like an Atlantic C. I mean, like one of the the letter C's that may be the hardest for you. Is it that, you know, you've had a a passion gap because I found that a lot that once you stopped investing in yourself outside of your roles for 10 years, it is like physics. It's hard to get it back. There is a passion gap. Um, So that would be focusing on curiosity. What am I curious about? Sometimes maybe it's like you said, I'm isolated. I feel lonely during the pandemic. So you're like, how can I connect with others? That sounds like your motivation for how this, this unicorn space started for other people. It's completion saying I had one, one woman say to me, I'm great at curiosity. I'm great at connection. But I'm a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams.
0: <laughs> I have an attic of, like, I have like sewing machines. I have, exactly. Like, you That's know, what like, she
1: said, she showed me her whole house and crazy she said, stuff. it's my GoDaddy accounts. <laughs> like when they come to renew, and I see all the domain names I registered. I want oh, to sink into the floor. Oh my
0: fort. gosh, I could I could fly to Europe and back for my like unused <laughs> uh, domain name. So I, I I get that. So I love that. First of all, you know, Eve, you, you said something that really um, you, you're you're talking about creativity in a very broad way because I think that some listeners might be thinking, well. You know, creativity, that's when you paint or when you, you know, do art or you make pottery. You know, they're thinking very tactically about almost like crafting creativity or writing a book. But you're you're using um, creativity in unicorn space as a very broad um, idea that captures this sort of curiosity about the world and then being uh, in a space that allows you to experience that curiosity, share it with other people, and then realize it in some way. Is that is, – am I –
1: Yes, I, describing I should take it you accurately? on the road. Yeah. That is exactly right. <laughs> I will say that that is exactly how we're redefining creativity because that is also what the science shows. It's not, you do, a creative life is actually a very connected life. It's not what people typically think of, you know, Van Gogh in an isolated studio with like his ear cut off. Um, so many people, their hurdle to creativity was I'm not creative. And what I'm here to say is that of course you're creative. The brain is literally wired to be curious. Um, you are curious. You have many ideas throughout the day. And so it's about how do we harness that for that daily flourishing? And so what we now know is that if you have a cycle, as we said earlier, how can the polar jumping into the ocean be creative? But it is. It is creative because what happens is that new things are produced from that cycle of jumping, connecting, completing. And that's all we're asking for people is to say, just choose a curiosity. Often it's connected to your values. One woman, Katie, said to me, well, Eve, I'm curious about scrolling my friend's Venmo transaction. <laughs> and I that's said, no, hilarious. no. hilarious. Not that curiosity. <laughs> that's
0: like um, nosy. <laughs>
1: that's Yeah, I was like, well, okay. I didn't know you could do that. Apparently my friends eat a lot of sushi, Katie. That's what I found out. But this is about the values. You know, I, hey, you know what? I've always been interested in animals. Why are animals so, you know, and then saying, well, what would happen if I start to volunteer at that animal shelter? What would happen if I started to ride horses or just Google what is dressage? As one woman told me, I don't even know still what that means, but it's just, it's so fun. Uh, One woman said to me, she loves eating chocolate, but she knows this is an active pursuit. And I said, well, that's self-care. And she's like, well, my unicorn space, then it's going to be, I want to make a chocolate. I said, amazing. I'm so excited to see what you make and I want to try it.
0: I love that. So how is, how is Unicorn Space different for self-care? If women right now are thinking, well, I do yoga and I do other things, talk to us about what the distinction is and, and, and you know wh- why we need to prioritize both, not, they're not, why they're not the same.
1: They're absolutely not the same. And we 100% should have self-care. But a lot for women of self-care has been uh, polluted because typically our self-care is in some goal of weight loss or making ourselves smaller. Um or making ourselves younger or making ourselves more beautiful. And so I have a really hard time with self-care and how it's manifested as commodified wellness over um, and you've had some great conversations about you know ancillary topics like this. but I think uh, what what this what true unicorn space is is something very different because it, it is not a, a pursuit for the self. That's why I so hate the word self help I really like the idea of mutual aid right mm-hmm. this idea that your motivation for creating your unicorn space was ultimately to live a more connected life and that is the the most important thing I can say is that the other pe- shadow pandemic that's happening right now for women is loneliness isolation and loneliness even if you have kids crawling all over you even if you have a partner in the home and so to combat that, We need the active pursuits. The active pursuits bring friends. They bring spiritual friends. They bring accountability partners. They bring success partners. Uh, They bring new friends. Katie and I are now new friends after today. And and that's the beauty. It just grows and grows and grows. Um, A one-off spin class uh, can't do that.
0: Yep, absolutely. I love this notion of mutual aid and how how you can lift each other up. And, you know, there's such a there's such an energy about being with other people and and creating things together. I mean, I I, like my brain is like bubbling right now with all these different things that that make me think of unicorn space like. You know, trying improv for the first time and, and being creative. Maybe I don't know if that's more like falls under the hobby no, category. That is, but like No, it was, no, that is that is absolutely unicorn space. It was so deliciously absurdly wonderful and humbling. You know, I had to sing and I'm terrible. And, you know, at times I was funny, at times I wasn't. But it just felt such that um bonding experience. And whenever you put yourself into action in that type of way where you where you try new things and then you survive. Uh, It makes you, you know, more open (laughs) to trying other new things. I mean, I honestly believe that. Um, And vulnerable, vulnerable. And
1: and, and that's the thing, right? This last C of completion is so hard for so many women, Katie, because we're not allowed to be loud and wrong. Women are not allowed to be loud and wrong. And so this idea of, oh my God, well, I was so loud about announcing this is my unicorn space and I couldn't do it. It's such a fear that so many people are conflating completion with excellence or perfection that they often don't do it.
0: Absolutely. Do it. I know. Do it. We live in such a uh, sort of hus- hustle culture and, and world that associates, um, you know, I just I opened in the beginning by talking about fitness trackers and nutrition trackers. It's like, you can't even enjoy a meal without figuring out, like, right. is it getting right. you? You know, even my mother, who I absolutely adore and is going to listen to this, is obsessed with getting her <laughs> 10,000 steps. And I'm delighted she's taking care of herself, but we are so unrelenting and constantly measuring ourselves that it's um and obsessed with outcomes sometimes that we forget that the the process is what's that's where all the joy is it's in it's in the doing it's it's in the you know when we complete a task sometimes we don't get the rush that we expect it to give us it's it's the joy of the doing i think is where where the um the the happiness and the energy and and all the vibes lie and you percent active
1: pursuits yeah, active pursuits you talk exactly.
0: about you have a whole you have a whole chapter about this how complete is better than perfect how does perfectionism get into the way get in the way of creativity and for women who might be saying you know perfectionism is one of my challenges what would be a, maybe a concrete tip you could share with them
1: well there's a few things one I would say um Fear is an interesting thing, and we talk a lot about it in the book about how to overcome it. A lot of perfectionism comes from a fear of failure, so understanding how to combat fears of failure. My favorite way to combat a fear of failure is to do it with someone else. Um, This idea of a spiritual friendship we talk a lot about in the book, Um, it comes from the science that an accountability partner Uh, leads you to 65% more likely to do something. If you have a success partner, it's almost like 99% more likely you'll do something. So sharing your delicate dream with the right person and having them as an accountability partner on your journey uh, is a really great way to combat fear. Uh, And I talk about some of the people I met along the way who helped me with that. And the other thing that's been such beautiful advice for, for people starting out and worried about completion is the idea of doing things in a series. Again, why why I love the idea of a podcast. Episode one may not be perfect, but your episode 10, Katie, may be close to what you say is perfect, you know, for you. And so the idea of a series that you keep doing things, one potter said that to me. She doesn't know how the fire is gonna work with her clay, right? It's 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 a a crapshoot. And so instead of making one perfect pot, you know, she puts 10 in there in the kiln. And I love that as a metaphor as well.
0: I, that's that's fabulous visual. I, I can picture that now. And 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 you bring you brought it home to me when you talked about the podcast because I can remember my first one. I was so happy. I had a dear dear friend uh, come on, Dr. Anita Sadati, and we talked about actually rage. We talked about menopausal rage and my volcanic <laughs> mood swings. Um, but it was it was uh, I was nervous. You know, I was fearful. Um, and I kept going, and I, and I absolutely love it. So I agree that you you. Know, and I want to
1: know now: Do you feel less nervous?
0: Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? I I get out of bed like to do this. I I, I adore doing this. and I adore the whole process of it. It's an astonishing amount of work. People, um, you know, I might have shared that at different points on different shows, but I I love every bit of it. I love sourcing the guests and coming up with themes and questions. I love writing the intros because the women that come on my show are so phenomenal. I want to do them justice. I love thinking of the questions. I love the conversation. I love promoting it. I like creating the social... You know, I'm going on and on uh, because I enjoy it. And I wouldn't... Um, it, it. I don't know. It's given me a new community. It's given me such a sense of uh, joy and purpose. And I love hearing from listeners who say things to me like, I appreciate your approach to aging. You've made me feel excited and inspired about what I could be doing in this chapter. You know, we we get a lot of pop cultural messages that try to diminish diminish us as we age. Yeah, yeah. I you know I work with brands that are age positive. I don't want to work with you know on the show or buy or have in my own medicine cabinet products that make me feel bad about myself as I age. So I I I believe in what I'm talking about. I, I love the community that I've met. Um and this is actually going somewhere Eve. It's going to end in a question, I promise, because
1: we're No, no, but I you know I'm a researcher, so I'm writing down notes as yeah. you talk because it it's so important to hear that because it didn't start off that way, right? It started off you contacting one friend and saying, "Hey, will you do this with me?" and then probably feeling really, really nervous to start. And and the reason why I wanted to ask you that question is because we're we're talking about Strategies to combat fear and perfectionism. One of them is doing it in the series. One of them is having a spiritual friend with you. But another great one is just doing it. It's called exposure therapy. It's what the Navy does, it's what the Navy SEALs does. When you do something over and over again, whether it's public speaking, improv, a podcast, it gets easier. And then you can live in the feeling that I give to every single listener. I want you all out there to have an I can't believe I did that feeling. That's that's the feeling that people say they get when they have they, they're in their unicorn space.
0: It's this euphoria and this like, adrenaline rush of it's not, of pride, you know. And, and, and pride, I I agree yeah. I agree with what you said too. That confidence comes from doing. I love this notion of exposure therapy. I'm going to go Google it afterwards because I, <laughs> yes, Google it. You know, I believe I, I I've experienced that in my own life, and I didn't have a name for it. But by by putting myself in action, um, gave me the confidence that I could do it, even if it felt kind of bumpy at the beginning. And now I feel um, such a sense of of ownership over what I'm doing and confidence when I'm behind the mic. I absolutely adore it. So I one last question before we move into our speed round. And I think we've touched upon this a little bit, but um, how has getting to midlife impacted your own creative life and your own ability to undertake new pursuits? I know that you change careers, that you used to um, work as a lawyer, but you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But You're now an author and an advocate and a sort of a thought leader in this space, and you're creating new content that's reaching a a big audience. Could you have done this when you were younger? Did getting older or, or getting to midlife in any way impact your ability to do what you're doing now? Of course. I mean, it's the
1: best gift that ever happened to me because I call myself the ghost of Christmas future. (laughs) how could I be the ghost of Christmas future if, if I didn't get to see the past? Um, And so there's so much beauty in, in hitting midlife because not obviously, you know, the cliche of, of having wisdom and um, but, but it's, it's that you, you just know, right. You start to know yourself in such a way that when you're not doing something that feels intuitively right to you, your gut really hurts, you know, in a way that maybe uh, it's the, the milestones are muddled in your twenties and thirties because you're still really immersed in the culture that's validating you for being pretty, for being young, for being a protege. But once those things you realize that those are fleeting uh, then your intuition really kicks in, and that's what's been the most exciting thing for me.
0: I love it. I love this answer. All right, Eve, we're going to move into our speed round. Uh, these are just one to two word answers to, to a couple of questions. So let's let's dive in. Writing, find your unicorn space was exhilarating
1: uh, and really fucking hard.
0: <laughs> a very honest answer. The talent, skill, or activity that makes you feel most like yourself dance i had to stop doing this one thing in order to have time to be in my unicorn space
1: uh beating myself up for um for wanting un- uninterrupted attention and time for
0: myself Got that's a hard one for us all i'm sure a book or podcast that fires up your unicorn space mojo
1: you <laughs> <laughs> um i would say oh my god so many of them but um one that I really, really love that I just keep going back to is a book called Between Two Kingdoms. It is so beautiful. It's about creativity and resilience and why why creativity is so important in times of real hardship. Uh, and and I would say Between Two Kingdoms is a book I can't, I can't recommend enough.
0: Okay, fabulous. Uh, my younger self would be surprised that I'm deeply curious about... The gender division of labor.
1: Um, (laughs) I I thought people who took women's studies were losers.
0: (laughs) A unicorn space activity you want future you to give a go.
1: Oh, um, 1,000% uh, murder mystery writing.
0: Oh, my gosh. I did not see that coming. I (laughs) love it. Okay. Finally, your one-word answer to complete the sentence. As I age, I feel. Powerful. Powerful. Nice. Uh, This has been a total blast. I have so enjoyed spending time with you. I'm so grateful that you came. Before we say goodbye, how can uh, A Certain Age listeners find you, your books, and learn more about your community?
1: Definitely on Instagram. Uh, But apparently, we're um, doing really well on TikTok. We have a lot of couples who have adopted Fair Play. So if you're interested in the systems part of it, uh, just Google Fair Play on TikTok. But you can find me at Eve Rodsky on Instagram and uh, at Life, We also have a lot of free resources on fairplaylife.com.
0: Fabulous, I will put those all in the show notes. Thank you, Eve. Thank you, Katie, for having me. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. I'm excited to share that Find Your Unicorn Space is our pick for our Spring A Certain Age book club. Grab a copy, read along, and join us at the end of April on Zoom. You can join the book club by signing up for our free weekly newsletter, Age Boldly, over on acertainagepod.com. Age Boldly also shares show links, bonus content, and fun finds. Head to acertainagepod.com so you never miss a show or an event. And join me next Monday when we dive into divorce with Dr. Elizabeth Cohn, known as the divorce doctor, who shares ideas for thriving on the other side. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties.